All right, we are, uh, I'm going to go back to last week's lesson. I have well, a couple of short points I want to clear up. Uh, but the, the lesson that we talked about last week was the lesson of love. And that Jesus said, he gave him the great command, now you are to love one another. And the world will know you by the way you love one another. Uh, and that was in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 33 to 34. And, and the key is, the world will know you the way you love one another. And as I said last week, this was a, a totally different command that had come out of the Old Testament. We talked about the fact that in the Old Testament, uh, the law indicated you were supposed to love your people, meaning your fellow Jew, uh, you were supposed to love them. Well, now Jesus has turned that on, on end. And Jesus said, you're supposed to love the entire world. And the ungodly. And the unloved. And the unsaved. And that's what this is about. Understanding what the command of God is about. And so, uh, one of the best passages in scripture that I had in the notes... Uh, about understanding the extent of love, what it means, what it means when God sent Jesus to this world to die for us, what that extent of love is, is in uh, the first epistle of John chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 7 to 21. But before we do, I want to make a couple of comments uh, to you uh, with regard to a book that I've recently been reading that has touched my heart. Uh, effectively a book entitled Evangelism from Jesus, in which the author has done a terrific job about explaining how Jesus evangelized. And you see it through the love of Christ. Uh, and this is really what the church has to understand. And I say the church, not meaning First Baptist Church, the church universal, the universal church of Jesus Christ. That Jesus never condemned the world when he tried to bring them to salvation. Uh, and there are two extraordinary examples of this uh, in the Bible. The first example of that is Zacchaeus. Now here's Jesus walking on a crowded street. Uh, and Zacchaeus uh, is described uh, in other places, and most theological theologians agree, was a very short man. In fact, there are some theologians that believe that he was a dwarf. And so, because the crowds were so heavy, Zacchaeus had to climb up into a tree. And from what I understand about the kind of tree that he, that he climbed up in, it had very short branches. All right? It's kind of funny because when I was a kid, I used to think, yeah, how could a short guy climb up into a tree without a ladder? Well, you, you could if the branches reached pretty low to the ground. So Zacchaeus climbs up into the tree, and Jesus is walking down this crowded street, and crowds are following him, and Jesus looks up into the tree, and now you see the divine power of Jesus Christ. There are probably tens of thousands of people in that street on that day in Palestine. And Jesus looks up into the street, and because he's God, he knows Zacchaeus by name. Zacchaeus! as it used to say in that Sunday school song, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. Right? Who else but God, God himself, would know you by name? You understand? He knew him by name. Thousands of people. They didn't have an invitation. This hadn't been set up ahead of time, but Jesus, 
because he's God, knew him by name. And now think about this. Jesus says to this man who is a tax collector. And let's understand what a tax collector was. He was one of the most despised people you could find in Palestine. Why do I say that? Well, first of all, uh, the ability to tax was taken over by the Romans. So here you have uh, effectively a conquering people putting a tax on the conquered, number one. Now, the power to tax has been turned over to certain people. Zacchaeus was one of them. And the Romans basically had this uh, ongoing rule that you would be a tax collector and whatever you decided you wanted to steal or to extract yourself was okay. That's how you got paid. You know, 10 for you, one for me. 20 for you, two for me. This is exactly what goes on. And so tax collectors became rich, but they were despised. No self-respecting Jew would ever go to the home of a tax collector. None. None. Furthermore, a rabbi, a teacher, a man with disciples, he would never go to the home of a tax collector, universally despised. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but did that seem a little presumptuous to you, Jesus? Wait, wait a minute. I, I don't remember extending the invitation. I'm not ready for you to come to my house. I haven't cleaned my house out. I don't have any food for you. You understand? But Jesus, knowing that Zacchaeus would never invite him, because Zacchaeus understood the wall, there's a wall between me and the righteous. You get this? You understand this? I want you to get the overwhelming sense of love that God is. God knows that. God knew that Zacchaeus wouldn't invite him. God knew that Zacchaeus looked at himself and understood what he was, and yet God through Jesus Christ extending love on a level we will never, never understand. Zacchaeus, I love you. I care about you. I don't care what the world says about you. I love you. I'm coming to your house. Now, one of the things that you see there as God extends love this way, you don't see Jesus giving some extensive theological discussion, Right? You don't see, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to, you are a sinner, you're a loser, you're going to hell. You understand? All the things that so many of us do, we want to reach the world. What do we do? Ah, you loser. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Look at you, living in sin. You're a disgrace. Gee, why are we not being successful in bringing people to Jesus? I don't know. We'll have to study that one not really sure I get that. You see Jesus extending love, respect, dignity to the lost. Am I making a point here? That's what love is about. This is what God is teaching us here in this verse, how we are to love the world. And what's the response of Zacchaeus? I'll give half away, half and I'm going to make restitution to everybody else that I've taken from. I'm giving it half away. Effectively, when he got done doing what he had to do, I'll bet he had very little left. He didn't care. He came face to face with the love of God. Do you realize what it is to come face to face with the love of Jesus Christ? And so here's an example 
of what John chapter 13, verse 33 and 34 is about. I gave you that example, and I prayed about it this week because I wanted to be able to show you effectively the love of Jesus Christ. Now, we know Jesus is going to die on the cross, and sometimes we get inured to that. Yes, Lord, you died on the cross, but how am I, how am I going to put the love of Jesus Christ into action in this world? Well, I just gave you the first one. There's a second one. How about the Samaritan woman at the well? All right, here she is, a woman. No self-respecting Jew. No self-respecting Jew would meet, meet with a woman uh, alone. That wouldn't happen. Certainly not a rabbi. Number two, she's a Samaritan, reviled, disrespected. Jews would never travel through Samaria. They would never travel through Samaria. They would go around it. They'd find a reason to get away from it. Number three, she had been married and divorced five times. She was at the very bottom rung of the moral food chain. All right? No self-respecting Jew would meet with her. And in fact, the proof of that is that this lady goes out in the middle of the day at the hottest point of the day to go and draw water. When nobody else would go and do that, they'd go at the end of the day or early in the morning. But she went then. Why? Because nobody would hang around with her. She was despised. And Jesus shows her what? Respect, dignity, caring. Are you picking up a pattern? Jesus doesn't say, you loser. Look at you, you sinner. You prostitute. You immoral woman. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say any of that. And I am so touched by how I see God speaking to me about how I'm supposed to go to a world that is lost. What does it mean? It means that we have to love the lost. We have to love the world. We respect them. We bring them into our friendship. We extend love to them. And here's what this does. It means that after a while, when you bring people like this in to your circle, the love of Jesus Christ shining through you will impact them in such a way that the Holy Spirit will begin to convict them. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit will begin to convict them. You don't have to say, loser. God starts dealing with their heart. All right? And so I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. As you begin to understand how God really wants us to impact a lost world. Uh, this is the definition of love. This is what I hope to convey to you uh, as we understand Jesus saying, from now on, the world will know you are my disciples because you will love one another. Well, what does that mean? Here it is, John, I've just shown you. That's what loving is about. Zacchaeus, the Samaritan woman, and the prodigal son. You want another example of that? Jesus is basically showing how God treats the lost. What does God say when the son who was the profligate, who takes his inheritance, when he wasn't entitled to the inheritance and takes it, effectively steals it, and goes out into the world and dissipates it all, and now he comes back with his tail between his legs. He's lost. His world has been destroyed. His world has been destroyed. Everything that he hoped for has been collapsed. He's been eating uh, food with the pigs. 
And now he comes back in the Father. God himself, Jesus describing this. The Father runs to meet him. Now you understand what that means when, it run, when Jesus used that word run? No self-respecting Jew would be seen publicly running. You understand that? No self-respecting Jew would be seen running. You would never show your legs if you were a Jew. You would walk in a deliberate fashion. But Jesus is showing God loves us so much. God loves us so much that he will run. He will run to embrace the lost. And you don't see God saying there to the prophet, you loser, I'm glad you were with the pigs. What would we say? Oh, I could tell you what I would say. <laughs> that was that pig food. You're glad you stole that inheritance from me that you weren't entitled to, you loser? I shouldn't let you back in the house. Go back and live in the barn. How's that? Am I doing pretty good? You can sign off on this? All right, you understand. And yet look at how God is. God braces and brings him in, puts a ring on his finger, brings him in. We're going to have a party. And that shows you what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like when one who was lost comes back. Oh, my God, Lord, I can't believe this. You see? Or are we like the elder son who, oh, God, how could this be? I've been here all along, and you do this for one of the lost. That's right. I do this for one of the lost. Yes, you're important to me. I still love you. I'm not taking anything away from you, but you have to understand how the God loves the lost. That's what this is about. And so I, I ask each and every one of you to pray this week and to reflect on how you are showing love to a lost world. That's the, that's the job. How are you Showing love to a lost world. How appropriate this week of Thanksgiving that you give thanks this week for everything that God has given you through Jesus Christ. And now God is, is saying to you, amp it up, lever it up. I want to see you in a way that I haven't seen you before. I want to see you extend love to people that you wouldn't find lovable. I want to see you embrace people that you may find distasteful, that you don't not like the way they live. That's between me and them. But you be the act of love and show them that God treats them with dignity and respect. And now look at the first, look at the Gospel of John, first Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 7. As you see, G, as you see John, 50 years later, effectively amplifying on this set of, of texts. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And let's understand that. Don't think that, that you brought that you were the one that brought salvation to your heart. You did not. The only thing you recognized is you were lost and needed a savior. And then Jesus Christ poured it all into you. Let's understand that. Don't go thinking, yeah, boy, thank God I was able to get saved. Boy, I'm a I'm a good person. 
I really am a good person. No, you, you look, let's get this straight. None of us are good, all right? None of us are good. That's part of the problem of love. We immediately have an exalted image of ourselves. Oh, yes. Uh, it's like the Pharisee in the synagogue. Remember, oh, I thank God. I am not like that man over there, that sinner. Instead, God wants you to say, there but for the grace of God go I. There but for the grace of God go I. Lord Jesus, that we, God loves us. All of the love comes from God's side. All of it comes from God's side. Humanity does not know how to love. It's self-serving. That's what love is defined by humanity. God doesn't define it that way. You've seen Jesus describe it right from the beginning. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And when he says that, love one another, meaning not just Christian brothers and sisters, but the world. The message I'm giving you today is Jesus has said that the, the world will know who we are is because we will demonstrate love in an unbelievable way to the world. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, let me explain that to you so that th this really resonates. When you have received, in through salvation, the Holy Spirit, effectively, you have a peace of God living within you. Do you understand that? That's what that means. You have a part of God living within you. And so when you are convicted, when you are drawn to do things that, that normally your flesh wouldn't done, wouldn't, would have done, that is God in you, moving you, motivating you to act. All right? Now what we do, many of us have spent our lifetime suppressing that. It's like a pilot light. You've heard me speak about that. It's a pilot light, the Holy Spirit. And here's what most of us have done, most of our, our Christian lives. Yeah, turn it down, turn it down, turn it. I don't want to be a flake. I don't want people to think I'm out there too far. In my golf club, I don't want them to think I'm one of them born-again Christian zealots. Turn it down, turn it down. And then what? High and dry. How's that? High and and dry. Yeah, you go to church. You observe all the rituals, but there's no life. There's no love. Why? Because you've taken the Holy Spirit and you've done your absolute best to turn it down. Instead, here's what you, what you need to do this week. Turn it up full blast and then pull the knob off. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? Can you imagine if this class did that what this class would do to Naples. Can you imagine when you look at the people here, if we lived like that and allowed the Holy Spirit to course through us in a way that we would be impacting tens of thousands of people in a way that this world has no idea. That's what the Holy Spirit expects from us. That's what this is all about. That's what God wants us to do. And so verse 13, we know that when we live in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. By the way, you want to see what it takes to be a Christian? I just didn't give you a whole theology text. You understand? He gave it in one verse. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as the Son of God begins a whole course of events that takes place in your life as the Holy Spirit descends into you. And you become saved and become part of the kingdom of God. Uh, and, and what an amazing thing. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Let me repeat that. God is love. The world doesn't know that God is love. The world doesn't ex accept God. But we know that God is love. He is defined by love. He is the essence of love. Every part of God is love. When we have the Holy Spirit, our, our lives have to be subsumed in love for a world that is lost. Really. You should be heartbroken when you see people in the world that are lost and don't know. You should be heartbroken. Heartbroken. And if you're not, you need to ask God to refill you with the Spirit. To make it so that he has empowered you to do what he wants you to do. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. Are we like Jesus? Oh, Lord. Let me speak for myself. No. But I want to be like you. That's the prayer. I want to be like you, Lord. Convict me. Show me. Test me. Sand me. Sand me. You wonder why God, God puts us through the kind of trials that we go through? Because he wants us to be more like him. And so, for many of us, we refuse to be like him. You know, we, we know. We know the words. But the words don't re resonate in our hearts. I and mean, God says, fine, 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 no problem. How's a two-by-four to the side of your head? You starting to hear this message a little bit better? You understand? You're starting to hear this message a little bit better. Oh, God, no, what's going on? What's going on is you're not listening. You're not growing. You're not advancing. You're not loving. And God is directing you in all these ways, directing you. The world needs to see Jesus Christ through us. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. How do you like that? But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. How about that? How about that? For those of us who, who live in fear, anxiety, worry, all I'm going to say to you is this. You have to ask God to fill you with his spirit. And as he fills you with love, you're going to see that you're going to worry less about yourself, less about where you're going, less about tomorrow, and more about how you have to impact the world. I am so convicted, so convicted about, about Jesus' message to the disciples uh, in the last week of his life and what it means to us. And I know we don't, we don't often hear this preached, unfortunately. You know why? Because sometimes maybe it doesn't resonate you know, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult maybe to articulate this in a way. Yes, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you, Lord. I hear you. I will stay on course, Jesus. Nothing is going to distract me from preaching this message. Nothing. Verse 19, we love 
because he first loved us. What does that mean? It means that we are incapable in our own humanity of even understanding love. It's only when God loves us first and pours his Holy Spirit into us that now suddenly we understand what real love is. Really think about it. I mean, think about you before, before you came to Jesus. We really, would you take joy in, in, in buying Christmas gifts for people you didn't know? You know what you'd say. Oh, yeah, I, don't want, I want the poor people to be taken care of, but I got things to do. I have responsibilities. I'm barely making my bills. I'm struggling. Now, you don't say that. You think first of others. That's what you do. You think first of others. That's what God has done for you and given you that joy. Really, I mean, it's, it's what, an, what a, an incredible passage this is. Um, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Wow. That's a little severe. If the words, I hate somebody, come out of your mouth, that's not from God. That's between you and God. But those words cannot come out of a Christian's mouth. Now, I don't want you to go home and say, oh, I'm lost. I've hated so many people. Now, what God is saying to you is you need to get closer to the cross. You're saved, but you need to get a better walk. You need to ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me. Help me to be more like you. Help me to be the way you want me to be. Help me to impact the world. Here's the thing, folks. I want each and every one of you, when you come in contact with the world, to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. I want each and every one of you to attract people that are lost in the world. I would love nothing better than to have this room filled with people who are lost, who don't know church. They don't know anything about church. They just came into this room because they were attracted by people who loved them and cared for them, and now they come into this room. And now when they come into this room, we're going to show them love. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to condemn them. We're going to give them respect and dignity and let God, through the Holy Spirit, convict them. You see this. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love. Love his brother. And so there it is. You want to understand. You want to get a sense. You want to understand what Jesus meant about loving your brother, loving the world, love the lost. I've just given it to you today. And so you understand it in, in, a, in a way that I think you may not have thought about it before. And so now we're going to look at the start of the lesson for this week, which is the Gospel of John chapter 13. We'll start it and we'll continue it next week. That was the Holy Spirit that redirected what we were going to do. Gospel of John chapter 13, beginning with verse 35. We'll start with 34, so there's continuity. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter, God bless him, asked him, Lord, where are you going? Great question, huh? I've only been with you for three years. Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow later. 
Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Underline it. Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Underline it. That's the humanity speaking. I will follow you. I will never leave you. I will never obey. I will lay down my life for you. And by the way, he was pretty serious about that because he carried a sword. He was the only disciple that we knew that carried a sword. And he would use the sword. He wasn't afraid to use it. This guy's no coward. This man is no coward. I want you to understand something as we're going to study this passage and what it means. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? And I think that's a, that Jesus is actually asking that to, of us today. Because I know we're, we're here and we have said, I've said it myself, Lord, I give you everything. Everything that I have, I will give you. I dedicate my whole life to you. And Jesus is saying, will you really, John? Will you really? And then all of a sudden something comes up. Well, no. not today, God. I'm a little tied up. Not today. Not that. I, I need that. No, I have to go there. Lord, I no, I don't, I don't want to submit on that issue. You know my heart, though, right? How am I sounding? Am I sounding like some of us? How am I sounding? You know, and, and, and will you really, Jesus is saying, will you really, John? Will you really? Will you really? And you just put your name in there. Will you really? Um. Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Boom, the curtain comes down. The chapter ends. Whoa, are you kidding me? Are you talking to me, as we say from New Jersey? Are you talking to me? I'm going to disown you. I'll lay down my life for you. And so, verse 35 Verse 35 begins with this concept that all men will know us as the disciples of Christ if we love one another. And I have laid out for you here today how Jesus has defined love with his life. And I want you to reflect this week on that over-encompassing definition of love through Jesus Christ. That is how the world is going to know that you're a Christian. They're not going to know you're a Christian because you have a church membership or that you leave every Sunday morning early and come back late because you get up, you get dressed up somehow and leave and go to church. None of that, none of that is going to mean anything to a world. What's going to matter is if somehow you act like Jesus. You dispense love the way Jesus dispensed love. You take people who are lost, you show them respect and dignity and you, they bring them into your circle and you allow the love of Jesus to pour through you to them. And we're going to spend next week continuing this. We will have BLG next week. The only two weeks that we're off from BLG, let me repeat it, is the week uh, of Christmas. All right, Christmas Day is the 25th. There'll be no BLG that day. And the following uh, uh, Sunday, which is New Year's Eve, we will, no longer, we will not have uh, BLG that, so we'll be off two weeks. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this demonstration of love, for a way, Lord, that we would never as humans understand love, but that you have shown us. Father, inspire us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Draw us to the cross. Help us to be the kind of men and women that you want us to be, to go out into a lost world and embrace that world, to bring them 
into our circle to show them what it means to be a Christian and then, Lord, to leave them to you. You convict them, but we be the messenger of love. Bless our people, protect them, give them the most fabulous holiday. And Lord, protect them and bring them back safely again next Sunday as we continue to study your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, God bless you.